Hey everybody, thanks a lot for tuning in. I'm sitting here with the wonderful Jessica Holtzbach, of course, virtually. Uh, she is the co-founder and CCO of Penta, the Berlin-based fintech company that was founded in 2016. Penta offers an online banking solution for startups and SMEs, and its mission is to disrupt business banking in Europe and soon worldwide. Jessica is one of the seven founders of Penta, and together they've managed to raise more than 35 million in funding. And the last funding round of 18.5 came just a couple of weeks ago in March, uh, which is really interesting because that's also the period of uh, the most impactful outbreak of COVID-19. And I love how you guys share that online. Of course, it's such a it's a celebratory moment for you, congrats first. But uh, what you also did is shared it in the sense of spreading hope for other entrepreneurs. Can you maybe tell me a bit about uh, the experience of raising right now and how that all panned out? Sure, uh, thank you very much. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me here and for this uh, wonderful introduction. Um, it was, yeah, it was uh, quite strange because normally you, you raise some money and um, the day that you communicate it is obviously like a very ce celebratory day. You, you can finally tell the world that um, your company will still exist a little longer. Um, so uh, you're like and you're on the right track. Um, but this time it was very different because the moment that we went out to the press and we announced that we just closed uh, the, the funding round was in the middle of the outbreak or in the beginning of the outbreak of Corona. And we felt that a lot of our customers were starting to struggle. Um, they knew they had, for example, the offline shops had to, to close the, the cafes, the restaurants. So it was a bit like a difficult time for them. And we were considering to announce it, um, like how we should announce this. And uh, in the end, we decided to still um, go for it, but rather, as you said, share it as a sign of hope that we want to give other companies um, this positive signal that it's still possible to, to raise money, um, that there are still digital businesses and um, that, that are surviving also in, in these times and um, that is not yet the time to call it quits, but like continue and working on, on your company. How has uh, the situation with COVID-19 impacted Penta itself and what is your strategy moving forward? It is, uh, like I said, I think it depends really on your general like business model. And um, we as Penta uh, believe in digitization of the, the banking market. So we want to, like our mission was from day one, to digitize business banking and help um, small companies to basically do everything they have to do in relation to business banking with a click of a button. Um, so opening a business account online in like a couple of minutes, but also executing transactions, like order second cards for, for all your employees. Everything is possible online and via like also virtual um, customer service. So for us, uh, in general, our whole strategy actually did not change at all. Um, we rather saw an uptake actually in companies or business owners that are looking online for digital alternatives. Um, so I think we were... Yeah, I wouldn't say we're like anti, like anti-cyclists uh, to this crisis, but we are like quite um, in a 
like in a good in a good uh, spot i would say that's really beautiful to hear because right now especially we're seeing a lot of startups and smes struggling quite hard um, and most of your clientele well your clientele is startups and smes so i was wondering uh, to add to what you just said what are some of the learnings that you got out of the situation in terms of how startups and SMEs are coping with the situation? Yeah, and that's kind of the negative side of things. Uh, while we are doing quite well, we also know that we have a lot of customers on one hand, the startups and SMEs, um, but also traditional businesses from like bakeries to um, restaurant owners that are struggling much more than, for example, uh, we do. But um, looking and also speaking to, to other founders or entrepreneurs, there's most of the times like some sort of way of a way how you can pivot your like business a little bit to make it more digital or more, <laughs> let's say, delivery focused, right? So even uh, I see, especially in Berlin, so many restaurants offer delivery um, food nowadays or even delivery cocktails or um, I'm now even myself doing uh, online dance classes. So I think there's always like a way how you can pivot it a bit to make it a bit more digital and online. And um, right now is also a time in which the, the mindset of a lot of people is shifting and they are a bit more open to such uh, alternatives. We are also looking at a quite interesting trend where as much as we are starting to or it feels a bit like we're starting to get more inclusive. Online communities are bonding. We're starting to do things online. People are reaching out. But at the same time, there is also quite an inequality uh, where we see states sort of uh, really sticking to themselves. And there is a lot of racism coming out. And uh, I mean, that's also something that in the financial sector is also implicit. Um, I was wondering because New financial services, we've seen them, especially in the last couple of years, they help with growth, they reduce poverty for many, but uh, how are they supporting financially underrepresented groups, such as women, the poor, people who live in countries where it's not so developed? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a very good question. Um, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure of the answer because we rather serve business clients, but even there, you have the same phenomena, right? Um, there are like certain certain things of businesses that have it more difficult to, to get a bank account, to get access to capital, um, especially the very young ones that are below one year and that have never... Um, never posted a, a balance, you know, like a Jahresabschluss um, to, to the official uh, register, they have it very difficult to apply for um, support, for, for loans, for credits. So um, we always looked at, at this niche, especially because they are very underserved from the current um, traditional banks. And we always wanted to help them to give a fair chance to really start growing their business. So even in times like these, we're trying to, um, like ourselves apply for, for the cafe loans so we can give them out to, to our customers um, but also at least gather all the relevant information. We started an online petition especially for startups and young um, companies so they get access to financing and I think it's especially this um, focusing on certain needs and maybe underrepresented groups what startups or fintechs do very well because the I would say like the big majority, the ones that like already 
have access to all of it, they are covered by traditional banks already. I would love to hear a bit more about the petition that you just mentioned. So the German government offered quite a substantial financial aid for startups and freelancers and small companies, uh, but you were quite critical on uh, the approach they took. Can you elaborate a bit more about that? It was, I think we started the petition in the very beginning of March. So it was even before they announced um, the help for like startups and small companies. And we had like certain points within this petition that we requested from the government. And within like the first week, um, so really like the week before they set up this help program, um, we were on the phone with basically all the ministers and um, participated like with like certain other fintechs um, meetings with the, with the government to explain them our position. And in the end, uh, all the points that we had in the petition, except for basically one, um, were also incorporated into the new uh, aid package. So we're actually quite happy that even without obviously formally reaching the amount of signatures, like most of the points were actually covered now in this uh, package. So I'm actually very, very happy and positive about it that they brought this together so fast. The only point that is still a bit difficult is that now this package um, is agreed upon but it's the way on how do we bring out this money to the companies that actually need it. Um, because with that, it depends a lot on the speed and like the access to this capital. Because like a small restaurant owner, if he needs to apply for a loan and then it takes basically uh, the, the hotlines, you, you have to wait basically three days to even reach somebody. Or if your application is stuck in the, in the funnel for like a month, it might already be too late. So our main critique point was regarding the speed of kind of disseminating the loans to the people that need them. That's also something I wanted to ask you because, I mean, there is a lot of inequality when it comes to access of financial services and as well as financial literacy for startups and SMEs. So you guys with Penta are addressing a lot of it really well. Uh, and there are a lot of fintech companies emerging that are helping people to educate them on these topics and how to go about it. And even in Germany, where we experience quite high level of financial inclusion, there's still you know, a lot of uh, vulnerable individuals or, or small enterprises that tend to be excluded or credit constrained. So what do you guys do at Penta to increase uh, financial literacy? I think it's really um, making the product very easy. Um, so that's the only thing we can really like do to help there. So basically you include into your bank account already everything that, for example, in a bigger company, a CFO would do around like cash flow planning, kind of giving you an outlook when your liquidity is getting like bad. How do you get this bridge in liquidity? So this is kind of the, the roadmap or the goal where you want to go. Um, so we like within the app, replace your digital basically CFO and um, you cover um, times of like distress easily because I think it's, it's this typical thing um, if you ask a customer what do you need and he says loans and then you just build a loan product doesn't always uh, solve the initial problem maybe the customer only needs like a very short-term liquidity financing to buy um, more supplies you know and, and I think it really understanding what is the, the core of the problem incorporating this into your product and then giving the, the customer the, the right solution at the point that he needs it, that will already help. So um, on the one hand, obviously, you can do a lot of improving uh, financial literacy. You can 
offer online courses, education. I think there's already a lot out there. So a lot of people do this. Um, but what we want to do is really make the app or the product so easy that you don't have to have a PhD in finance, but can still run a business, focus on what you really want to do and don't need to be like the expert in accounting and financing. So right now, because of Corona, a lot of industries are changing really rapidly. A lot of industries that have been stuck up for such a long time and haven't evolved are really being pushed to redefine how they're doing business and how they're going forward. Uh, so I was wondering, what is your opinion on how fintech is going to evolve or what is, uh, how it's going to transform, if it's going to transform for, from this situation? Mm, I think it is this general trend towards digitization that is happening. Um, I mean, I've found like just like in, in daily life where you see, uh, for example, at the bakery a sign where they say, we don't uh, take cash payments anymore, please pay by card. And uh, for other countries, that's quite normal. But for, for the Germans, especially I think in Berlin, um, not paying with like coins or like uh, cash is actually a change. So I think it's really pushing forward this whole digitization, using um, the phone for, for payments, um, using like different different ways of sending and receiving money um, is, is increasing. So the whole payments, payment side, but also obviously everything around um, banks and um, bank branches. Um, over the last couple of years, everyone was always predicting that there will be less and less branches, right? And now we still have a couple of them on the countryside, but in times of Corona, I don't know whose priority at the moment is to go to a bank branch. Like at least mine, not. Like I would rather go like to go to the hairdresser or something like that, you know, than to the bank branch. Um, so it's even becoming less obvious um, to have these like physical things. And I think it's really a, a mindset, mindset shift. And I think this is always like the most crucial. So if now the user mindset really changed and you realize that a lot of the things where you thought you really need to be in person there or no, you need to go to the store, you need to do that, that you realize you can also do it online and it's more convenient, um, you will maybe keep this habit for the future. So I think um, it's kind of an acceleration of um, digitization and this opens again, basically the doors for a lot of new um, ideas and new startups that could happen as soon as we have a bit more money again in the in the capital markets. Well, talking about mindset, do you think uh, that there is a push towards a change in mindset when it comes to entrepreneurship? Or do you think there are some val new values that we really need to incorporate right now to be able to thrive? Um, I think it's um, at least from my perspective, it's very interesting because um, we always were planning for, for good times, right? Like, um, I mean, Penta is now like four, you know, four years old and over the last four years, there was not a real crisis. We were always planning for more growth, more money. Um, and I think a lot of other startups did the same. So currently this is a big um, distress test for a lot of companies and for a lot of business models. And I think you need to be much more um, resilient on on your business model and like where does your growth come from where does your basically your revenues come from and have a bit better overview and like understanding of your core numbers and drivers than even before how are you guys now um, managing sort of the internal workload uh, i assume you're all working from home which is quite the change uh, as it is for a lot of people how is the dynamic changed internally for Pinda? 
Um, we always were somehow a digital or like remote company. I don't know, like from day one, we had basically a second office in, in Belgrade um, because two of our co-founders um, came from there. So we have a second office there. We're obviously traveling, but in the beginning, um, a lot of remote work. We have a third office in Milan, um, which went to basically a quarantine even earlier than the rest of us. Um, but what we see on a daily basis is actually that it's working very well. People are quite used to this kind of work. And we sent around surveys, um, one in the very beginning. And now, like I think last week, Friday, we had a second, no, last week, Thursday, we had a second one. And if anything, we actually see that people feel they're still quite productive. Uh, I mean, they miss a bit the, like the, the, the social part of it and going to the office to, um, to see each other. But like in general, it's still, they feel they can accomplish all the tasks. There's still a lot of work. And um, most of them even say that the work is keeping them sane. Because if we would sit at home and would have nothing to do, it would probably be even different do you think that after everybody being remote and working in this way that we'll be able to go back to how we used to work i mean i have the the hope that people still like enjoy again uh, coming to the office because i think it's always nice to see each other there um but i guess um we will we were always like i said like a remote company and i think we will always um stay and now it shows that this even has some some advantages because in the past we sometimes were thinking about what are the best ways to bring people to the office do they just not like it there we improved the office but now we realize that it's just also part of our kind of cultural dna that people enjoy having like a day at home or something so um yeah i'm curious how like what effects will come up once we go back yeah that's something that we've been talking a lot with entrepreneurs about because there, there are really two sides uh, some say we can't wait to go back to work it's so important to just be with people and then the counter argument is yes now we are so forcibly isolated that we really really crave going back to the office and being with everybody but at the same time we're learning to have this autonomy and being flexible with our working hours and being working from anywhere um, so going back might be just this uh, intense longing and feeling that we'll get and will be exciting for the first uh, couple of weeks but then it will be difficult to completely switch back to wanting to be in the office every day yeah i i, I mean i see totally both sides another question we were asking ourselves was even do we need like a huge office in the future is this actually like necessary or is it only um can we also have like some sort of like a switching office you know where people come in if they want but it's not like not everyone has their own desk basically but it's more yeah come in and go uh, type of style and the rest of the time people could work from wherever they want what is the thing that's been helping you to keep your company remote since you've been remote for quite a while uh, how do you manage to keep up like a fast-paced communication and to make sure that you you know have the same interactions i guess that you would have offline we we, we have the luck we're now around like 100 people that we have some sort of um, established teams and the teams have their own routines, right? So um, from the weekly that like some teams have to the daily that other teams have, um, there are like some meetings that have like a certain routine. We have the Friday um, end of the week, um, all hands, um, which is always very nice. And people love to basically see and share stories of, of the things that happened. Other than that, obviously we have Slack. Um, 
But yeah, um, I would say in terms of communication, this is basically quite like a routine thing. On the other hand, what was quite a challenge for us now, um, we were in the middle of our OKR planning period, um, which kicked off basically on the 1st of April. And um, normally uh, we use these like weeks before, the two weeks before a new OKR period with a lot of alignment and team meetings and trying to identify the goals for the next three months. And this now all had to happen online, but um, it worked out well. And now people started um, working on this. You have like a, a goal which you want to reach for the next three months. I think it's pretty streamlined and um, yeah. I want to go a bit uh, more on a personal note. I read something, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, I read that uh, when you were young, you had sort of three desires or three passions for your career. One was to build companies. The second one was to become a fashion designer. And the third was to become the Pope, which was something that uh, it's a job that women can do. So you wanted to tackle that because it was uh, not reachable, right? Is that something that uh, that I'm correct for? Actually, you are. And uh, by now, like I get asked on this. Now, I don't even remember where I mentioned it, but it's actually true. Um, I was reading a book about this and I was just, I didn't understand as a young um, girl uh, why it's not possible to do this. Um, like I really, this was beyond my understanding. So I said, okay, well, then I'm trying to, to get this job. <laughs> and yeah. How did you end up uh, in entrepreneurship from wanting to become the Pope? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was never very, like not never, if my parents would listen now, they would get a heart attack, but uh, I'm not like that Catholic or religious that I would uh, be a good Pope. It was really more tackling this uh, inequality. Um, and then ending up in entrepreneurship was, I would say, I, in the beginning had quite a standard, I would say, business route. I went to do business school, did a couple of internships in the areas that I liked. I always liked the whole banking and financial markets market, but the first internship I had was very um, bureaucratic uh, and therefore a bit uh, painful. Um, so I was like, I, I thought I would or would never want to work in a bank, but I really liked kind of like the industry. So after that, I went to consulting, um, consulting for banks and insurance companies, uh, which already gave me a bit more freedom because you were basically outside this big corporate control in a small consultancy and you could raise your voice and have an opinion and discuss. But even there, at some point, I realized that you can discuss and raise your opinion as much as you want. But in the end, uh, it's the bank that decides. Um, so I thought again, what is like an option where you have the chance to really win with arguments and with data and fight for your opinions and even do the things that you believe in. And the conclusion I got was there's only one chance where you can do this. And this is when you found your own company. Um, and yeah, I would say that's how I got here. So it wasn't that you actively wanted to just build a company, but it was more that you wanted to solve a problem that was very uh, out there for you. Yeah, that for sure. Because um, I mean, I actually like to, to Penta, I came because I had like a different company right before. Uh, and there were two, my two Canadian co-founders uh, and I had so big problems opening a bank account and because we couldn't open a bank account um, we couldn't open the real company so we couldn't really incorporate so from this basic problems and then talking to other entrepreneurs talking to other people that started companies i realized this is actually a thing 
and um, my my co-founders had exactly the same experience before um, and that's how we we built or started penta you advocate a lot you for advocate. women and fintech and tech in general um i was wondering because uh of course fintech is now evolving but you also come from a more you've experienced a more traditional uh, banking industry as well and your co-founding team of seven people is also completely male apart from you have you ever encountered sort of setbacks or um this feeling that you needed to push more or to prove prove more as a woman um i I don't think particularly, like, I, I don't know, honestly, because I don't think this was particular because I was a woman. Um, there are resistances, there are pushbacks, and there are, is for sure also discrimination towards anybody who thinks like differently or uh, has maybe considered um, from, from traditional banks a more naive approach to things. But I think this could as well happen to... For example, one of my co-founders looks very young. Like I, I am sure he also had like certain pushbacks, you know. So um, it's very hard to really say what comes because I'm a woman or not, or what comes because people um, have a different opinion. You seem, or well, I, I don't know you personally, but you seem very ambitious, and I assume that that ambition also has some contribution to how you deal with confidence. Um, I was wondering, do you think you've learned this ambition, or do you think it's just something that we have it in ourselves? Mm, probably it's a mix of both. Um, so it's probably a bit of education, a bit of how you grow up, um, um, of your like parents education i i would say it's probably like a mix of so many things and then obviously like your personality where you want to go but it's it's hard to say it's only one factor did you grow up in an entrepreneurial family or how was your upbringing and how did it impact uh, well your entrepreneurial journey um my it's interesting that you asked because i was talking uh, with a friend about this just like a couple of weeks ago and I never considered um, my family really as like um, entrepreneurs or uh, or even like within the business field. But in the end, they are self-employed, and they're, but they're more in the medical uh, area, and they were always working for themselves. So in the end, maybe this would, maybe this had some influence. But uh, only recently I made this <laughs> conclusion. I'm also curious a bit going back to. Uh, talking about gender because you posted uh, saying that you're not going to participate anymore on events and conferences where there is sort of gender exclusive panels or gender exclusive communities uh, can you tell me a bit more about that thought um sure um i find it for me personally i find it always very difficult to talk about um female discrimination or if I like experience I, I think these are absolute valid questions and I try always to answer them as pos as good as possible but um, like I also try to explain I, I can't fully say if this is due to like a gender like the experience I, I made because I only have that one view on it right? and similar to that I realized that um, I absolutely support some um, male speakers who had posts and they said they would not continue um, going on conferences or panels where there are only male participants, but it should be diverse. So not, they called it manals, I think back then, or mammals, I don't even know how you would pronounce it. But um, I perfectly like support this because I think diversity and having different views on things brings out like a more fruitful discussion. and. 
having different views also brings the best result in conferences, in panels, in uh, boards, or like in discussions, right? And, um, but I think this goes also for exactly the other way around, because I realized I got invited a lot of times to conferences or speaking opportunities where only women were there. And I think if you're only in a room with 20 women, and then you talk about inequality, this is besides the point, because I really do believe that this has to be heard by the whole population, not only 50%. So I think this always goes in, in both directions. And only if you create diversity, but if it's like gender diversity, but also like age, like there's so many different facets of that, then you can bring the, the best results to the table. Yeah, I think I completely agree with this, uh, especially when it comes to female-led events. I think sometimes also the vocabulary is quite um, discriminatory because we keep on also saying female entrepreneurship. Why do I have to be a female entrepreneur? Can't I just be an entrepreneur? Exactly. Um, yeah, I really don't like I try to not step on anybody's toes there, but I really like I refused now a couple of um, speaking opportunities because of that, because I really don't want this like one single minded uh, view on it. I can completely understand that. But at the same time, I feel, uh, as you mentioned, there needs to be an active division or active um, effort to make sure that we have inclusive and diverse uh, panels or groups of people, guests on events, uh, because otherwise we tend to uh, be with the either or. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's work to do. I think just the way how you do it also matters. Going back a bit to what is happening right now, especially with the COVID, uh, COVID crisis, there's a lot of adversity, a lot of stress, a lot of uncertainty, and everybody's dealing differently with you. Um, how are you taking on adversity and how do you approach these uh, uncertain times? Um, we basically um, do it like one step at a time. So it's really like not trying to, to panic, right? On one hand, um, but also like just take things as they are and then uh, readjust if you see it's necessary, but also obviously have like a long-term vision in place. Like I think, for example, also building a company doesn't really have an end goal, right? You, you can't say, um, oh, in, in five years, I reach my goal and then we close the shop again, you know, you, you want to get to a point, but also, for example, for us changing the way how small businesses think, this is more like a, a whole change of like society rather than just like reaching a certain end goal. And I think if your underlying hypothesis and like the, the vision you have didn't um, change due to like a short term crisis, I think this even shows that, the whole idea and what you're working on is quite like stress resistant. So um, obviously we need to adjust now. And uh, this has, also, for example, also consequences then on the business plan and how much you spend on what channel, for example, in marketing, obviously like in, in short term, but like if you're like quite sure about like your long-term vision, then I think um, you might be able to, at least in our case, uh, to keep it. What do you do personally to deal with anxiety, stress, fear? For me, um, personally, I always need to go outside. So this is quite a stressful time in this sense for me. Um, that's why I also went to the countryside. Um, I need like go running, be outside, do sports, um, be like either at the lake 
the mountains or the forest, like anything but nature. And um, what also helps me is reading a lot and writing. Um, so something like journaling is very uh, helpful to kind of sort my thoughts. The topic of mental health is something that also arose quite uh, vividly during this time. Um, do you address that uh, at Penta as well? Do you address it with your employees or how do you go about that? Yeah, so we, um, I mentioned earlier, we send out a survey um, just asking how, how employees or how people are coping with Corona. And this is also in regards, obviously, to, to mental health. Um, and we try to also organize some sort of like social events. I think a lot of uh, startups or companies do this from uh, virtual lunches over virtual drinks over virtual coffees. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have heard anything else that one can do. Um, we have like some sport groups. Uh, so I'm still very open for suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely share quite a bit with you. It's something that I'm really interested in right now and I'm asking everybody because we've been talking a lot about um, helping out employees, especially uh, mentally because, uh, of course, you spend so much time at work and it can be straining. So how do you uh, give these tools for employees to deal with their mental well-being? And this situation really gives us that opportunity to redefine how we go about it. Uh, when COVID-19 hit, there were a lot of people that really struggled uh, with mental health issues because of it. And uh, of course, uh, a lot of people could not have been expected to uh, work full time as they, as they did or as they had to. So it's a very interesting uh, switch to how we're going to go about it. Are we going to go a bit more mindfully towards the future and how we work? Or uh, are we, will we have to still hold it more to ourselves? Um, so yeah, that's very, very interesting for me to hear how you guys approach it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we haven't really, like, like I said, like we have some social events, we have some, some sport groups, but, um, now that you say it, maybe, um, it also makes sense to, um, we have like certain channels where people share, um, certain activities you could do during, uh, COVID, like from serious books over, apps over whatever um to kind of avoid on the one hand boredom but also um stagnation so um yeah um i i haven't looked into i have i'm not a good uh, i'm always never uh, i'm never that good with meditation but i know a lot of people also use like headspace on core mm to do something like that um yeah how do you keep your motivation because sometimes it can be really hard especially when there's so many uh so much news around so many things uh keeping you distracted at least uh, myself and the people that i interact with have been struggling with it so so how do you deal with um keeping on your motivation um yeah, it's it is actually uh, you're absolutely right. Um, honestly, also now this uh, podcast helps a bit. Um, talking about why we're doing this and um, why we wanna why we put all this work in there, right? Like giving this sense of um, yeah importance to 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 it actually motivates me now again. And what also helped me, for example, over Easter, I really uh, blocked off. Now I spent. Um, some some time with my family and um, now I'm, I'm back to work uh, with much more energy is there something that you personally learned for yourself out of this crisis maybe one of the one of the little things i realized and i would have never thought this before is 
that having a routine is actually uh, something beautiful um, of like really like waking up, doing exercise, read for one hour, then start working, eating healthy, like stopping at some point, you know, like this and um, having a bit more like a time and a routine per day helps at least me stay quite sane. And before, um, before this whole, whole crisis, uh, before COVID, I was actually, I, I woke up every day at like set, like a different time. I had like absolutely no routine. So maybe that's something that changed a bit. That's exactly what I would have answered as well. For me, the biggest shock was that I that I do the same thing every day and it's not that bad. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I have one more question. Uh, do you have any advice uh, for young entrepreneurs that are now either starting a company or have just recently started a company and are um, challenged with this adversity head on? I think it's a bit of um, the points I mentioned earlier. Like if you have like a long-term like vision and like a trend and that this like hypothesis is still valid, um, then don't give up. Um, if it like really has implications, maybe think about like pivoting a bit. How can you be like more more digital? Like how how can you basically sustain also in times of stress? Plan for times of stress, but there will always be um, like the good times are coming again. So I think it's just like holding on to it a bit longer, and then uh, we'll be better off. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for this lovely conversation and for sharing everything with us. Thank you very much.